0: Good morning. It's uh, great to see you all this morning. Welcome back for all of you who have uh, been off for Chinese New Year's. I know a number of people are still traveling. Excuse me. I'm afraid I'm going to fall in the crack. I've got some good friends up here. Um, Yeah, I know a number of people are still traveling back. I'm sure this... uh, this weekend from being scattered out from uh, Chinese New Year. So if, for those of you who are visiting for the first time, uh, especially if you've just recently moved to Beijing and are transitioning into life here, if you're here for the first time, we hope you sense a warm welcome from us, and uh, uh, we, you are very welcome to uh, here at our place. Uh, we have probably talked more about finance in our church uh, in the last several weeks than we have in ten, the previous 10 years of the church's existence. Uh, we've been facing a little bit of a cash flow uh, issue the last uh, couple of months. We've, our financial managers have been looking at this carefully. And what it comes down to basically is we've experienced a hundred, quite literally, a hundred percent increase in the fees that we pay for the facility uh, since uh, June 1st, and the budget can't sustain it, so we are going to negotiate with the landlord, and uh, today will be the first meeting in which that will be discussed right after this meeting, and Tony Sofian will be uh, leading that discussion, so if you would just pray with me for a moment. We've had a great relationship, and it's been a great facility, but we just need to renegotiate the uh, fees. Lord, thank you for your people. Uh, Thank you for the opportunity to be together uh, today. Uh, I pray that we could together sense your warmth and your grace and your kindness and your love uh, through each other. I pray that you would uh, grant each each of us some fresh insight and wisdom from this morning's activities some form of inspiration toward you, and we do pray for Tony uh, today as he um, lays bare the facts of of, uh, our capacities as a congregation to our landlord. We pray for favor, we pray for uh, positive reception to that information, and we pray that your will be done, uh, whatever that might be. So we pray in Christ's name, amen. You and I spend the first 20 years of our life, of course, maturing, uh, maturing physically and intellectually and emotionally in different ways. Uh, And the whole idea of staying curious, uh, continuing to learn and mature uh, over life is a key point of a lot of the books about career and marriage and family life. Uh, For the last uh, three weeks, we've been engaged in a teaching series on the Bible's teaching about spiritual uh, maturity. Um, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 6, for example, uh, says, uh, let us press on to maturity. The scripture defines the spiritual life as beginning at some point when God opens our eyes to the beauty of Christ. Uh, We gain an interest in him and in his identity and his work. We believe in him. We are then united to him eternally uh, through the work of his spirit. And that is designed to stimulate and begin a maturing process or a spiritual growth process uh, that is designed to last the rest of our lives. And there's a number of passages that uh, reinforce that idea and instruct us about how to do that and how to collaborate with God as he works within us to bring spiritual maturity uh, into our lives. Uh, Two weeks ago, we studied a passage in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, uh, chapter 4, in which he describes three of the key steps toward spiritual maturity. He talks about qualities that we are to bring into our relationships. Uh, He talks about uh, engaging uh, the broader community with our spiritual gifts. Um, And uh, toward the end of the passage in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 13, uh, he says we are to pursue maturity and continue to seek and develop and mature uh, in in that respect he says until we come to such unity and knowledge of god's son that we will be mature and full grown in the lord so the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love so the biblical picture of the christian community is these groups of of his people that gather together and through the quality of their relationships and through seeking wisdom from above together and growing, maturing together, then a dynamic uh, emerges in the group that then stimulates and assists uh, spiritual growth. Uh, we, As we become a part of that and stay a part of that, we have a much better opportunity and we're much more likely, the scripture says, uh, to grow in our understanding of the knowledge of Christ and and in our lifestyle and the quality of our lives and in the quality of our relationships, both with with God and with other people. Uh, As we end this short series this morning, I wanted you to have an opportunity to hear from a couple that uh, I believe and many people believe have a whole lot of insight about spiritual maturity and that have pursued spiritual maturity over a very significant part of their lives. Uh, I'm going to bring up uh, Jerry and Cheryl Wonder. Just uh, come on up, guys. Jerry and Cheryl have been really dear friends for at least 10 years. Um, they have been in Beijing for uh, over 10 years. Um, they, um, uh, I'm going to let them tell their story. So... Uh, We're just going to do uh, kind of an interview format and uh, hopefully provide a platform where they can share some of of the insights they've gained over time. So first, guys, uh, tell us a little bit about your background, uh, where you met and married, and then your life, vocational life, before you uh, started doing vocational Christian ministry.
1: Cheryl and I met...
0: You'll have to speak directly into...
1: We met uh, at our... Last semester of our senior year at undergraduate school, and um, I fell in love right away.
0: A little bit longer for Cheryl. Um, C- can you hear okay back there? Okay. yeah, yeah.
1: We, um, This was during the Vietnam era, so uh, my place was to go through Officer's Candidate School, and Cheryl was a flight attendant for Pan American Airways. By the time, at least, um, Officer's canada School was over, she was convinced she wanted to marry me, so we got married.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: God sent us. I say God. We, we weren't even Christians then. God still sent us. Uh, sent us to Germany, of all places. Everybody was getting sent to Vietnam. We got sent to Germany for almost three years, and, um, and that was over. Went to graduate school, and our children started coming along, and I uh, was working for the Xerox Corporation during these years.
3: Well, we did have have three daughters that were born, and Jerry was in business for a number of years, up until 1984, when we did a mid-career move and joined Family Life staff that was based in Arkansas. So we moved from Arizona to Arkansas, and were there with Family Life for 13 years. And um, in 19...
0: For those of you who have not heard of Family Life, it's a very fruitful organization uh, in the U.S. that for 25 or 30 years has sponsored marriage conferences primarily in cities all across the U.S. and now across the world, Um, hundreds of thousands of couples have attended these uh, weekend to remember conferences and have experienced uh, renewal in their marriages, so they were part uh, there in, in central Arkansas this first right. three years.
3: Right. It was, um, it was a remarkable experience. And in 1996, we made our first trip to China to do a presentation of that conference to expats here, and that was how we got first connected to China, moving over here in 1998.
0: So you guys did a conference over here, just a conference. Just a conference. You traveled over, come over to do a conference. Mm -hmm. And then somehow you must have gotten the idea to to move. So why don't you tell us?
3: Well, (laughs) I don't know if some of you old-timers remember a family, Jack and Mahi Snell. Um, We were out to lunch with them, and he made the comment, well, why don't you come over to China and help us out here? And sometimes we can hear those kinds of ideas, and they just – blow right by, but for some reason that idea just went here, here, (laughs) and um, it was one of those gripping God moments where I knew that he was speaking to us, even though China was not on our radar in terms of a place to live or to do ministry here, but um, that's what really started it, and God sent us to China.
0: Okay, so when did you actually make the transition over?
1: 1998.
0: So you moved over in 98, not long after the conference then. Yeah,
1: 1998. Okay. So nothing is ever that easy with China, Tom, but we'll we'll leave it at that. (laughs) I can can appreciate that
0: and agree. So Jerry and Cheryl were involved for um, uh, years and continue to be involved in helping create the same kinds of conferences, marriage conferences for uh, Chinese nationals. Uh, here in China. It's, a, it's an approved, government-approved, authorized organization. There's been great progress. There's been uh, some literature uh, books published. There have been conferences. So they have had a very um, uh, significant impact here through working, helping develop nationals who can then take the ministry and, and spread it around the country. Um, well, we're talking about uh, spiritual Growth and maturity. So, tell us what um, have been the key influences uh, in your life, experiences, which is kind of, uh, in continuing to grow and be
2: fruitful over time. Um, I, I, I'm going to limit it some, Tom. Okay. Um, you know,
1: I believe in 1998 that God sent us over here. To see. People come to faith, build them in their faith, and hopefully see them also lead people to faith. That was what we always thought. And and, and you know, that was certainly true. But what may also be true is that I believe God sent me to China to kill me. Now, I'm not joking. I mean, He sent me here to see something that I'd never really seen before how much I like to control people, the kinds of things that I do, uh, to run my life apart from Him,
2: to refuse to accept any kind of limits on my life, to be unwilling to
1: accept that some of my Christian brothers and sisters have greater gifts than I do. I just would not accept it. And I really believe God sent me here to kill me. You know, you're reading the Bible. I think God God can be seen as a murderer. He wants to change you. So one thing that was very
0: significant. We'll teach on that next week.
2: (laughs) One thing that was very significant
1: was in 2003, Cheryl and I, were invited to participate in something called LEAD, L-E-A-D, and it was um, uh, originally put together by Prof. Hendricks out of Dallas Seminary, and a few couples and us, we went to Singapore and went through this. It's a time that you learn about yourself, learn about your marriage, learn about your ministry, learn about your life plan, what you want to do. You sort of get filleted. Uh, and and laid open, but in a decent way anyway, except for one way. You you guys all know Bruce um, Edstrom. Edstrom, who's come here. Bruce was doing the marriage and family part. And at the end of the time, he said, Jerry, I think you and Cheryl are settling for closeness and calling it intimacy.
2: And I just thought what the heck who are
1: you? You don't even know me. You I mean, we've been here 4 days and you're saying something like that. And besides that, I teach on that stuff. Well, he began to, you know, just to show some things and I I would not accept it. I would accept to study about it. So they gave us some assignments when we left and uh for about 30 days or so, we studied on these, and I was still having some difficulty. And I, I, I don't know whether Cheryl or I came up with the idea, but uh, our middle daughter was at that time was studying at uh, Mars Hill Seminary under Dan Allender, and she said, and we knew Dan, and and she said, well, why don't we we're going up there to visit Karen? Why don't we spend a little bit of time?
2: Uh, asked Dan if he'll give us a little bit of time. So we did. It was during that time with Dan that I learned some of the most destructive, disruptive relational information I've ever learned. I Found out I'd been sexually abused by my mom as a boy. I was so angry at my mom, but I was much more angry at God, and I kept thinking, God, who are you who What kind of God are you? Here I was, a defenseless little boy. What were you doing? If you were everywhere, why didn't you step in there? That was hard. Very hard. Maybe a month, month and a half later, I attended a male um, sexually abused workshop. It was pretty hard as well, but it was also pretty pretty helpful. Because
1: it was there that I began to learn that what
2: God was trying to show me was I cannot keep this rock slammed over my heart.
1: What he wants me to do is to take the cover off of it and allow the
2: truth of the Lord to shine. And all those places that are there, all that muck, all that hurt, all those
1: lying, all that loss, all that unwillingness, all those pushing myself, all of that that was not good needed to see
2: the light of God.
1: The last day, we were sent into Seattle to just buy a few momentums of the time there and we come back and we share them with other men that were... There with us, there were two things that I bought one one was a, a fishing hat I had fly fishing Seattle on it and and I just said i wanted I bought this because I like to fly fish, and I, every time I put it on, I want to remember that there are good sides of life that God provides and Dan stepped in there and he said, he said, yes. And every time someone asks you about that hat, you say to them, this is
2: not just any hat. This is a hat that means this. The other thing I bought was a little book light that I put on,
1: you know, for reading in bed at night. Every time I turn that light on, I remember 1 John 1 5. This is the message I heard from him and proclaimed to you. God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. So again, in that God, what I was learning was we have to rip off our heart and allow the light
2: of Christ's truth shine in there. More and more. that
1: that had a lot to do with my maturing sure
0: absolutely, I'm sure
3: there is a theme you'll hear too in terms of what we believe um, maturity will be as one gets older and in their years Um, and I hope it will be encouraging to you in some ways and it's yeah just let me tell you my story and you'll see what I mean in my 20s and 30s, and really in my 40s, I, my priority was to maintain control. Um, I wanted to project myself as being composed, incompetent, in control, and that really was the way I made my life work for, for a number of years. Um, but I was always plagued by this internal anxiety that if I was supposed to be competent, then how was I going to know really what people wanted from me, and would I be able to offer that? And would I really have an impact where I wanted to have an impact? And it just created a lot of dissonance internally for me. I think um, there was growth. There was emotional maturing, as Tom referred to, Uh, earlier. There's, of course, from life experiences, we we learn how to handle life well. And spiritually, there was intellectual growth as well. But I think the way I would describe that is that there was no real heart growth. And um, there's a friend, Bruce Edstrom, again, that says that we live with our hearts asleep. And... What awoke in my heart was a disruption, and that particular disruption was in 1995 when our middle daughter Karen, who was graduating from high school at the time, was diagnosed with an eating disorder, and it was um, a situation that really rocked my world as a mother because my identity had been in being a good mother, and the, the underlying premise of an eating disorder is that the the person does not feel loved. And for me to think that my daughter was growing up not really feeling loved was just devastating for me. And so that really was a turning point, not just for me, but for Jerry too, where we had this child that needed something different. Our family needed to look different, we needed to look different. And we had a choice that we were gonna have to make and before God, we made that choice. We, we stepped out and said we will do whatever we have to do, even if it means you know, exposing ourselves, risking ourselves, whatever it took, so that we could be who we needed to be for Karen and for the rest of our children. That was a very meaningful disruption for me and started a process that in 1998, when God sent us to China, um, completed it or started completing it. Because with Karen, I learned I really didn't have that much control. And when we came to China, I discovered that I had absolutely no control at all. And I'm sure those of you that have moved over here have realized that as well. I have to use notes because at my stage of life, there are a lot of years to reflect on, so, (laughs) and I'm at the forgetful stage. Um, I think when, what hit me the most, and it only took about six months, was the realization that everything that I did have in the U.S. that made my life work was gone here in China. Uh, Comfort, the things that I could feel competent about, um, everything. And that sent me into a bit of a spiral that was absolute misery for about a year when I was just literally sitting and asking in my mind, what am I supposed to do? And I look back now and I I see that the emphasis that I had was on what am I to do, not what or who should I be. And I believe, Tom, that's a real key in in spiritual growth and any kind of maturity is not, what we do, but who we are as as people, as as believers of God. And you talked about community, and I had, after a a long period of time in which I wrestled with the Lord, I did have a community that was remarkable and allowed me to embrace um, growth in the way that you spoke of. But before that occurred, I... I think I reached a stage where Bruce says that when the heart becomes awakened you'll know it because God will ask you to do something that you kind of say oh no about. Um, He uses the the terminology you'll gasp or you'll snarl. (laughs) And I think I snarl because I, I felt what God was asking me to do was to trust him at a very, very, very deep level at the core of my soul. And the way that I, a picture way I can give you is that it's as though I'm on a trapeze way, way above the crowd and I'm holding on and I have control of my safety. And what God was asking me to do was to let go and leave that sense of control, protection and into that chasm of totally unprotected into the arms of the person that was to receive me, and that was the arms of God. And that's what um, I came to realize, that uh, it was a commitment and a surrender that I had to make.
2: I think I'm almost finished. Did you? Okay.
3: Um, I think the, the thing that is so freeing about that, Tom, about the heart growth is that it, gives, it gave me freedom, and I think it gives everyone freedom. Um, the focus for my life became not what I could do and how people would see me or receive me, but, but for me to be free, to be genuine, to be real, um, to be present with people in a way that, that God could use me if he chose to or, or not use me. But the impact, my impact on a person was not the most important thing. It was to, to see that person and to um, know them in a way that I had not been able to do with people. And it's just been, it's been, it's been a wonderful thing.
0: I, I think if, if I was going to summarize what I'm hearing uh, from Jerry and Cheryl, it's, uh, well, several things. First, that, you know, God is much more interested. I think the Scripture teaches, and experience certainly demonstrates that he, he's he's up to a whole lot more than you and me just being good Christian people. Uh, that, in the sense that we learn a certain ritual, or we develop certain habits of life, you know, church going, giving, you know, serving a little bit, in whatever ways. that what 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 the Scripture teaches, and and uh, is that God is desires to move really, really deeply into our mind and heart and begin a work of transformation there. And that that's involves a whole lot more than simply you know religious kinds of activities and rituals. And the way that he catalyzes that often is that he will bring some real big struggle or issue into our life that we can't manage with our own resources. I mean, life has worked well, uh, Given that we develop all ways of doing life and doing it effectively, but the Lord is very, very uh, competent and capable and skillful and at some point in life blocking uh, the way that we 've made life work. Uh, and if you 've not reached that point uh, yet, you probably will. And so when we reach some of those kinds of crossroad experiences, then we get some choices to make. Uh, we can choose, as, as some do, to move into different kinds of addiction in which we, we just anesthetize the pain that the circumstances that we are into are causing. We could do that with food or alcohol or some type of drug, or we can do it with work. We can do it with sex. And we can do it with all kinds of, of addictions that uh, enable us to just sort of distract ourselves from what is going on. Uh, Or we can begin a process of learning about ourselves uh, much more deeply. And so the experience, what (laughs) Jerry used the word, uh, God is a murderer. I think what he, if I was going to paraphrase, or what does he mean by that? That means that God's love is very, very high. And he has some very long-term goals for us. And like a really, really good coach... Who has all the information and he wants the very best for us? He is willing to push us in directions that we will normally not choose to go. He will orchestrate relationships or circumstances or events in which, oh my gosh, we just can't do life in the way that we've done it before because he wants us to move into a deeper understanding of him. And his trustworthiness and his reliability and his reality, he shows up in those moments. This very morning uh, before I was just about to come over here, I got a phone call from a very dear friend in the States, uh, uh, and we were able to talk for just very briefly. Uh, Life has worked very well for this friend for a long time. Uh, lots of success after success, but they've reached a point in their vocational life where there's like some very severe anxiety that has come up and like immobilizing anxiety. And so the question: What do I? What do I do now? Uh, because I can't do this job uh, given the kind of emotional, you know, anxiety that's, that's I'm experiencing right now. So I have no doubt. Uh, that God is uh, very much engaged and very much involved, leading this friend to a deeper understanding of spiritual truth and spiritual reality, and I have every confidence in the result. So what I hear you saying is that I mean uh, China and uh, is in, uh, the circumstances uh, that you've been involved in uh, have led you to um, a much much deeper experience of the Lord. And I wish we had more time because this has been a very fruitful couple. have uh, been able to observe them and the, the, even the broader Christian community in Beijing knows Jerry and Cheryl, uh, especially those who've been around for quite a few years. Uh, they've, they came here with a vision and a sense of calling. Uh, they persisted in that calling through some very uh, difficult Circumstances and experiences. Uh, in fact, they're, they're moving back to the States later this spring, but they will continue to travel back and forth. Um, but the amazing news is that God has done two things through Jerry and Cheryl. In my observation, the observation of a whole lot of believing people in Beijing, uh, first, he fulfilled and has fulfilled and is fulfilling the vision that brought him over here they have really been able to make a contribution, an enduring contribution by working with nationals and equipping them to do these uh, marriage and family conferences and to provide information that is definitely not generally available in this country and that organization is stable and founded and growing and developing and it's a great piece of work so God did that and then secondly Uh, He has made them into two of the finest people, more, even more so, two of the finest people that you'll ever meet, uh, people that are delightful to be around and that know Christ and make him known. So thanks so much. Any any other? uh, I'll
3: have one quick quick thing. When all this started happening, I was in my late 50s, and, and I remember the anguish that I felt for not knowing these truths being forced to make these choices earlier in my life, because you have a lot of loss and a lot of regret, but I, I have come to realize that this maturing process does take our entire lifetime, Tom, and, and I look forward to more disruption, and, but now I view it as wanting to live through it with grace and by his grace, and it, it takes on a completely different meaning for me.
2: I
1: don't want any more disruption. <laughs> I've, had, I've had enough and I'm still working through what I got now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, I think uh, God is good, uh, even, even in the midst of some very difficult things. I, I really do believe God brought me to China to kill me. <laughs>
0: and, um, but also good. to bring you know from and that you, death to well, bring a new kind of life. I mean it's God, the, God
1: the, is a redeemer, He is a restorer he, and, and he's done that as well. Um, it, but he yeah
0: yeah, as John 13, Jesus says, "Unless the grain of wheat falls into the earth mm-hmm. and dies, it remains alone, uh-huh. but if it dies, it brings forth." Yeah. Uh, rich fruit. And so, yeah.
1: Tom, the... Tom I, I, I think the last thing is that I, I think, you know, God wants us, he doesn't want us to live as hiders. He wants us to be genuine people. By that I mean consistently and constantly pulling the rock off the top of our heart where we got everything hidden and allowing the truth of Christ's light to shine on it over and over again. Now, I, I really, that's thats the thing that's helped me
0: as much as anything. Else. There it is. <laughs> you were going to say one other... No, okay. Um, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for Jerry and Cheryl and for their illustration of what it means uh, to mature I thank you for your grace at work in their life that has been and continues to be. Um, I thank you for the choices, the difficult choices that they have made, uh, not only to come here and to do what they've done, uh, but the even more difficult inner deep interpersonal life choices uh, of responding well to uh, and in faith to the circumstances that you subjected them to. Thank you for the, the life that has come forth from that, for the, 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 the maturity, the insight, the, the loving kindness, the spread toward others uh, that you have, uh, yes, you have, they have experienced a form of death and yet you have brought from that and continue to bring from that a very beautiful type of life uh, for the well-being of your people and for your pleasure. And we pray that this would be uh, useful in each of our lives uh, this coming week and, and days to come. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.